I'm Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. This is part two of our conversation with American middle distance runner Emma Coburn, who specializes in the steeplechase. During this unique 3,000-meter event, runners must clear 28 fixed barriers and seven water jumps, which Coburn does while maintaining a 440-mile pace. She is a three-time NCAA champion, a six-time All-American, a nine-time U.S. national champion, a world champion, and a three-time Olympian. She runs seven days a week with no off days and hits the gym three times a week for strength training, which she often does barefoot to strengthen her feet for running. Coburn is also a foodie with an affinity for brunch food like pancakes and French toast, and she is the author of The Runner's Kitchen, a cookbook that promotes an everything-in-moderation approach to help athletes of all levels fuel their active lifestyles. Are there, I ask this to all of our athletes that we have on the podcast, are there exercises that you love to hate, the ones that you can't stand doing, but you do them anyway because you know they're good for you? Uh, yeah, let's see. I really, like deadlift, I, I, I don't hate it, but when I'm about to deadlift, I have to really like mm-hmm. take a deep breath and be like, okay, you're going to do great. Cause sometimes if I'm not super focused, I'll, I'll, um, not brace properly mm-hmm. and get sore in my lower back because I'm just being an idiot and not getting myself in the correct structure. So that's just one that I have to really focus on. Um, and then we do pull-ups on occasion and I can do like five, but like I can do like three sets of five, but I'm not, I'm not a pull-up type of girl. That's not, um, it doesn't, it doesn't come naturally to me. So I would say when I am done running, I probably, I don't know if I'll ever do a pull-up again. (laughs) It's all good. Um, so you wrote a cookbook called the runner's kitchen, right? And I think that this, the book, I just, I read the excerpt. I don't have it. I'm going to order it, uh, promotes an everything in moderation approach. Is that how you approach your own nutrition? Yeah. So I wrote the runner's kitchen. Um, it came out uh, January, 2020, January, 2020. Sorry. I'm getting my years confused. Mm -hmm. Maybe 2021. It's hard to keep them straight nowadays. (laughs) I know it came out like a year and a half ago. So yeah, whatever, 2021. And, um, I was really as a female distance runner, my DMS are flooded and, and with girls asking me these questions. And anytime I speak at a high school or, um, meet young women, a lot of the questions I ask or I get asked are about food and in endurance sport. I mean, this is a problem no matter what, but highlighted in female endurance athletes is under fueling. And I was really lucky my whole life to just never have a bad relationship with food. You know, I've always eaten kind of whatever I want to eat, but but it's generally what people would call healthy. Um, but then there's that bits of what, other, you know, what people call indulgence mm-hmm. and um, it's just a good mix. And that's just how my mom grew up cooking for us. You know, like for dinner, we would always have a meat and a carb and a, and a salad, but then there was always like chocolate chip cookies and I'd get home from school and I'd have a big bowl of uh, Reese's puff cereal, but then I'd also have, <laughs> maybe like an apple, you know, like there was, um, and that's just kind of the, the food, um, 
culture in my house, I guess, was set up that way that like there weren't things that were no and off limits. You know, we we lived on junk food cereal and my mom loved to bake. But then we also like the bulk of our diet was like real whole good foods, Um, you know, but also like every day at school, I'd have a bag of Doritos also, you know, like there was there was just this mix. And so it really wasn't until I got to college that I realized that not everyone has that same um, situation in their life with food. And I've always, again, like in terms of like body image and all of that, it was never, food was never related to how I felt about myself as an athlete or as a woman. And I just always thought like, you know, I'm going to eat all this food and it's going to fuel me up and I'm going to go crush this basketball game. And then I'm going to go have a milkshake after. Cause that's delicious. Mm-hmm. Like there was no, um, reward food or bad food, just all of these challenging um, things that young women in food culture kind of experience, I never had. And so it really wasn't until I got to college that I was more exposed to that. And so as I've, um, you know, progressed through my career and had successes in my athletic performances, my, my diet has stayed the same in terms of like, you know, I'm maybe now as a pro, I focus a little bit more on the macros and making sure like, oh, did I get enough protein today? Oh, I should probably have, you know, one more protein shake to make sure I'm hitting that. Or, oh, did I have enough carbs today? I should probably have, you know, a slice of toast before I go to bed. And so sometimes it's more reflecting to make sure I got enough of the macros. But in general, I eat the same way I did as, you know, when I was 17. And um, I wanted to write a cookbook that really reflected that and was like a ton of recipes that some are what, you know, someone might consider like super healthy. And then some are super indulgent. You know, there's a ton of brunch recipes that are just loaded with sugar and maple syrup and carbs, but then there's like great salads or there's great egg dishes that are more vegetable forward. And there's a huge dessert section, but some of it is, you know, allergy friendly, um, an option that some might consider more healthy, you know, cause it's no dairy. And so I wanted to write a cookbook that there are no rules. If you're just fueling your body well and eating enough and having a little bit of everything, you'll be fine. And to just like, not overthink it, don't stress. Um, and so I was really proud to write that and have it be a true reflection of like how I eat now and how I grew up eating. Um, and I wrote a little bit about, about this in one of the chapters of the book. And I hope that, you know, that cookbook sits in the kitchen of young women and that they can crack it open and say, Oh my gosh, Emma eats baked French toast. Mm, Sure. I'll do that. And, (laughs) and maybe break down some of their preconceived notions about what food and being an elite athlete has to look like. I I would like to note that that French toast has a crumb topping on it. There's also like a cake with buttercream icing and a fried chicken sandwich, but you do have things like roasted beets and kale salads and, you know, like, traditional healthier in air quotes. Food. Yeah. Um, and I can't, yeah. I can't eat, eat baked French toast three meals a day and feel good running physically. Like it's, it, that's not going to work, but if you, you can have a mix and I think the cookbook reflects that. And so it was really fun to write. And my mom helped me with a few recipes too, which is really fun. Um, 
and yeah, I, it, it's a product that I'm really like proud of. And when people post that they're cooking from it, I just get so excited because I hope that it, um, I just think there's a bit of a stereotype on like what elite female endurance athletes have to look like and what they have to eat and what, um, you know, I think, I think people misconstrue like focus and dedication to their training. I think they confuse that with under eating. You know, I think they're like, I'm so focused and dedicated. Look at me. I'm only having a salad for dinner, but I'm like, that to me is not focused and dedication because you're breaking your body down. Your body's eating its own glycogen. Like you are not going to be successful, but people think if they're really disciplined with their food, that's a reflection of their discipline with their sport. And I try a little bit to, to shake that myth. Um, but, but also it's hard because I obviously know it's a, it's a mental health issue. Eating disorders are. And so I'm not trained in that. (laughs) I'm just, you know, trying to speak to what my own experience was. And hopefully that helps, you know, a few young women out there have a better relationship with food too. What does a day of eating look like for you? Typically I have like a piece of toast with peanut butter and honey. Then I go run. And then after my run, I'll have my uh, momentous protein shake and creatine. And then I will have a big old brunch. Like even if it's 2 PM, if it's the first big meal I'm eating of the day, it will be a brunch. So I have a big sweet tooth. So it's usually um, like a French toast or pancake, anything that I can put maple syrup on. And then <laughs> I got to make sure I'm getting protein. So I eggs are great for that. So usually some scrambled eggs and then, um, either bacon or sausage to round it out. And then, you know, some strawberries or fruit or something. So that's my brunch. And then I usually take a little nap and then depending on if I have, you know, another run or workout or whatever the day is, my lunch might be um, you know, a salad or it might be a bagel. The the midday meal usually is more, um, tricky depending on what my training is, or it might just be some yogurt and fruit. Um, it's generally a little bit lighter. I usually just go big, big brunch, light lunch, and then big, big dinner. So then I'll eat my lighter lunch, go run again, come back and have, you know, a, a piece of toast or something or yogurt. And then have a big, big dinner. And that is just generally, I don't really care what it is. I, I mean, I love food, but as long as there's good protein and good carbs and some vegetables, I'm happy. And then, uh, yeah, usually like a, a sweet something, it could be like as small as like a just a couple Justin's peanut butter cups, or it might be a piece mm-hmm. of cake or a chocolate chip cookie. Um, but some little sweet thing to, to call the day good. I, I had a Justin's peanut butter cup full disclosure, the moment before I got on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) I accidentally on Amazon ordered, I meant to order like six bags and I ordered six boxes. So now I ordered like 30 bags of Justin peanut butter cups. Um, not mad about that mistake. No, it doesn't Um, seem like an accident at all. It seems like a (laughs) very happy serendipitous moment. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, do you, so does this change at all? If you have a race on, on, a, on a day, do your eating habits change at all? Or do you keep the same routine? Usually for a race, um, I, I'm a little bit lighter. I eat a little bit lighter the day of a race. Um, most of our races are at night. So our races are often at like 9 p.m. So in the morning, big, big brunch. Um, 
and then usually have like, you know, a, a sand, a, a more substantial, like, like sandwich, um, midday. And then a few hours before I race, I'll have a peanut butter with banana and, um, and honey. And then that'll be it. So at the day's calories kind of start big and then kind of get a little less as the race gets nearer, just cause I don't want to have an upset stomach when I'm racing. Yeah. Um, but you know, and then after the race, it's always, you know, get my protein in, get a snack. Um, we often have to go to drug testing and then get a, a big meal after that, whatever, whatever's open at 11 PM, honestly. So you'll still eat the big meal, even if it's late at night because it's fuel for post-race. Yeah. Yeah. And then if I don't fuel, Oh, sorry. I lost an AirPod. If I don't feel well, I, um, the next day I'm, I notice, and this is just in regular training too. I notice like I'm a lot more sore. So if I don't feel mm. my body well, either the day of a, you know, yesterday we had a track workout and we're sprinting and, but I ate a lot of food because like, I didn't want to be sore and depleted today. So it's often just thinking of like your future self. You don't want her to be mad and tired. Mm-hmm. So you have to fuel now so that your future self and your future runs are happier. So yeah, even though it's 11 PM and it'd just be easier to go to sleep, um, I'll make sure I'm getting, I'm getting at least, you know, 700 to 1500 calories of something, um, to top me off when, uh, so you're doing a lot of great pre-race pre-workout fuel and post-race and post-workout fuel. What do you do during your workouts or your long runs? I, I don't do anything. I just drink, um, uh, I'm sponsored by noon. And so I just really, in all my workouts, I'm sipping on noon sport, which I think is just enough electrolytes and sugar to like, make me not crash. Um, and even on a long run, if I'm running 90 minutes, I won't, you know, I won't take anything. I know a lot of people do take gels, um, after about an hour, they'll, they'll do that. And I never, I've never done that. I did have one, uh, one run recently that it was like a, a progression on the treadmill. And my husband kind of like miscalculated how far, how, how long of a day it was. And like my last mile was like five Oh five pace. And it was my 17th mile. And I was like, I started getting kind of like, Ooh, like woozy. And, and that was definite like glycogen depletion. I got off the treadmill. I like could not make decisions. Like I just was, <laughs> oh my God. I, that was, that was a real eye opening experience to probably what marathoners feel like when, you know, you're bonking a little bit. So, uh, yeah, if, if you're running more than, you know, an hour and a half, I, I realized I probably should have a little more, but I typically, my long runs are like an hour and 45 minutes and I'll, I'll just, you know, eat a lot when I'm like, you know, have my protein and hydrate well, right when I'm done. Um, and I'm fine with that. 17 miles all on the treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did a three mile warm up outside and then 14 miles on the treadmill. And, um, yeah, it was, we got after it because I was feeling good. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, I've been running like a very long time and I'm going really fast. Like, I, I don't know if this was the plan. <laughs> Um, that just sounds like yeah. a really long workout for a treadmill. I would go bananaramas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like living in Colorado, we're really, um, like we, we have treadmills. And so at my parents' house, I have a treadmill. And then my husband and I rented a gym space years ago for our team. And we have treadmills there. And so we're a little bit 
um, if it's snowy or windy or, or crummy outside, like we will just go on the treadmill. And so I'm kind of numb to it now. Like I'll do 19 mile days on the treadmill or 20 mile days that I'm on the treadmill, maybe divided between two runs. Um, and I just, you know, listen to a good podcast and am or an audio book. I'm always like listening to some like murder crime detective book. <laughs> and the, the time just goes by kind of quickly. That's cool. Do you, um, you travel a lot as a professional runner. Do you have any go-to snacks that you always have in your duffel bag on the plane or on the track? I don't know about you, but like I walk into an airport and I could have just had a meal at my house 45 oh, yeah. minutes before I walk into an airport and I'm starving and I'm like a maniac. And it's, almost like some scarcity fear that I get through security. And I'm like, I will never eat again. I have to buy all (laughs) the snacks. I have to go get a meal. I have to go get a coffee. Like I act like my two hour flight is a 24 hour flight and there's not going to be food for me ever. So I, when I travel, I'm probably overprepared with snacks. Um, but it's typically, I, you know, I just get to the airport and I go to one of those little concession places and I just try and find something with good protein, um, and a carb. And so it's often like a meat stick, you know, or, um, a little fruit nut meat platter thing that they sell and then like some popcorn or something. So those I'm, when I'm on a plane, I'm generally just like eating the whole time. I don't know what, what it is, but yeah. And then, uh, as soon as I land, I have to go run. So I want to make sure that I'm not like bonked when I'm, uh, when I get there, but yeah, when I travel, I try and just make sure I'm getting like a good protein and carb source. And then I'll fill in the fruits and veggies later in the day. <laughs> I did read that, um, you started taking collagen protein after you had an Achilles injury. Do you, are there, first of all, are there other supplements that you kind of can't live without and, and how do you use nutrition to kind of cure what ails you? Yeah. So I had a, a pretty intense Achilles injury in 2015 and then all, all through 2015. And then in 2016, leading into the Rio Olympics and my husband and I were, were reading about collagen loading and Alfred's protocol, which is a a way to rehab your Achilles by doing a ton of, um, drops and, mm-hmm. uh, the combo of gelatin or collagen and loading exercises, it, you know, in many studies has been proven to like help your Achilles. And so we just dove in fully. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so now I just, it, it was really effective for me. And then now, um, one of my sponsors momentous, they, you know, they make collagen. So it's really easy to just continue that. Um, so yeah, I, I take their whey protein, their creatine and their collagen, and then they make a vitamin D supplement as well. And there's endless studies about the benefits of having good vitamin D. And, um, I also like live in the high mountains of Colorado with super intense sun exposure. So like I generally have good vitamin D, but you know, in the winter we're all covered up most of the time. So I, uh, make sure I'm taking a good vitamin D supplement. You mentioned these recovery days you have that are just long, slow, easy runs, but are there any recovery modalities that you've really embraced over the years? Like, can you, you know, you're always traveling with a shot massage gun. Are you in an infrared sauna? What are you doing to kind of make your body feel good? I've had phases where, you know, I'm super into a hyper ice or Theragun or, 
really into Norma Tech. I've had phases that I, you know, dip into those tools. I think what's most effective for me though, is if I finish a run and I do 10 minutes of kind of mobility work. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, that's, that will be like adductor stretching. It'll be some side planks with abduction. It will be, um, 90, 90 hip exercising. So exercises. So really if I can just finish a run and move my body in a more fluid, productive way, sometimes it's just like doing downward dog, you know, just, just spending a few minutes taking care of my body when I finish running that typically keeps me feeling pretty good. Um, and then I try and get treatment once a week. Um, and depending on where in the country I am, that that's chiropractor or massage or more of like a, a combo mix of that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a little bit lazy. To, so I like to just have that hour that someone else is solving my problems for me. Um, <laughs> but generally, yeah, post run, if I just do some nice mobility drills, I feel I feel pretty good. But yeah, all those gadgets are fun. And they have their time for sure. And, and definitely when something flares up, or I'm more sore, I grab all those things. And I'm like, give me everything. Let's try and like calm this down. <laughs> do you have any plans to do another cookbook? I would love to, um, I, you know, there's a note section on my phone. That's like, I eat something good. And I'm like, Oh, I can make it by doing blah, 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 blah. Um, so I don't have any plans right now. There's, you know, nothing in the works, but, but I really enjoyed the last one. And I, uh, yeah, I like cooking a lot. And I think again, like kind of busting the myth of what a, an endurance athlete has to eat, I think was important for me. Um, and so I would love to, but yeah, nothing's happening now. Do you cook most of the meals in your house? Does your husband cook at all? He cooks nothing. Um, he'll, <laughs> he'll cook the rice for me. Um, when, and he makes, uh, he'll make steak tacos and he has a recipe in the book actually. Um, so he, he'll make tacos, but, but besides that, I'm, I'm the chef. Um, when I graduated from high school, I'm sorry, when I graduated from college and had all this time on my hands, not having class, I was like, Oh, what do I do with all this free time? What, you know, I run and then what? And so I really became more and more in love with, with the idea of cooking and taking a long time, making a meal and being creative in the kitchen. And my husband was still in grad school. So I kind of took the reins over on that way back, uh, when we graduated and the, the dynamic hasn't shifted, even though, you know, there's days that I'm like, all right, you're in charge of dinner. And he's like, great, DoorDash, you know? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, since maybe you're not a big recovery gadget person at the moment, but do you have favorite kitchen gadgets? I could not live without a stand mixer. You know, I had a KitchenAid stand mixer that like my mom bought when she got married at a yard sale. So I don't even know how old it is, but it's too old, I'm sure, but it works great. So <laughs> Does it have a two prong plug? <laughs> Oh, like it's probably one year more modern than a two point plug. plug. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so the, the KitchenAid stand mixer is my favorite. And then, um, I have like a mini handheld little, it's not Cuisinart brand, but it's just like a little chopper thing that's handheld. And I use that every single day. So that, um, those two things are probably my, you know, most used gadgets more so than any running recovery tools. <laughs> 
really funny. Can you, um, Emma, just give us uh, an idea of some of the upcoming races that you have if folks want to uh, check you out? Yes. Well, I think you already know this, but I'll be racing um, at the Prefontaine Classic Mm -hmm. in Eugene, Oregon. Um, Eugene's like my, it's like my favorite place to race. I love racing in London and their Olympic Stadium as well, but there's something so special about Eugene and Hayward Field and the the fans there in the crowd. It's just so much energy. And the um, Diamond League Series is really the best of the best. That's really all the athletes that are in the Olympic final or in the world championship final, we all show up to these races and compete. So it's a really competitive field and it's a good time to kind of judge what your competition has been up to. Um, and so that will be my first steeple since the Tokyo Olympics, which didn't go wow. well for me. So I'm excited to have a little redemption in that arena. Um, and so that will be May 20. The, the meet is May 27th and 28th and there are you know a ton of olympic champions and world champions and the best of the best will be there and so um you can watch that on nbc and that will be my first my first steeple since tokyo well best of luck with that that's always the prefontaine is always super fun to to watch so i am excited to check that out and it's nice because it is on network television not a lot of track and field events are are that accessible for normal folks to watch yeah, it's, I mean, it's the best track meet in the U.S. every year. And so it's, um, you know, the best athletes from all of, all over the world come. And uh, it's a big deal to the athletes. You know, it's it's a prestigious event. So it's a big deal for the athletes who are competing. But then it's also just, um, it's a spectacle. It's such a fun spectator mm-hmm. event. There's just so many elite, elite, elite athletes at their prime. Um, giving it their best effort. And so it's a pretty cool one if you can tune in. Before I let you go, can you just tell everyone uh, where they can follow you on social media? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at Emma Coburn. You can follow me on Twitter at Emma J Coburn. And I have a TikTok that I occasionally post on and I believe it's also Emma Coburn. Um, You know, I'm on there occasionally. I'm not doing any like cool dances or trends, but you know, I'm on there occasionally. So check me out. I feel like you could maybe win TikTok cooking. I should probably get on that more. You know, it's, uh, (laughs) when I'm, when I'm home in Crested Butte, my mom is is an amazing cook and she does so much of the cooking. And so when I'm home, I just like lay back and let her do the cooking. And then when I get back to my uh, house in Boulder and have to fend for myself, I'm a little rusty. I'm like, what if I've been like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I chop something? So Maybe I should yeah, do more cooking just for TikTok and give my mom a break. Well, Emma, good luck. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Emma Coburn for joining us on Food of the Gods. To keep up with Emma, follow her on Instagram at, at Emma Coburn and Twitter at, at Emma J Coburn. And be sure to tune in on NBC for the Prefontaine Classic at Hayward Field in Oregon on May 28th. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at at foodofthegodspod or email us at foodofthegodspodcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production. Mm-hmm.